right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast. All right, it's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up for today. We have our boy Troy Ladd, Hollywood Hot Rods. And I'm telling you, man, when you think builders, when you think cool, you got to put Troy in that list, man. It's uh, it's kind of crazy, his story, his cars, some of the stuff that he's got his hands on. It's just badass. Yeah, man, this is a cool cat. This guy, I know I'm... For quite a few years now, man, I always enjoy, you know, at some big show, getting to rub elbows uh, with them. And on a friend scale, like, just trading, you know, secrets, experience, uh, you know, great stories. This guy is awesome, and he builds rides that are off the charts. I mean, this guy has been on the TV radar for I don't know how many years, probably decades. Uh, but started in Burbank, California, I think somewhere in the early 2000s. And this guy loves... The early traditional rides. I think, you know, typically you'll kind of see them in the early 30s, whether it's an early 30s Ford, you know, maybe an old pickup truck. I think that's kind of where I caught him uh, a long time ago. He was building a, a ride for Ray Bestus, uh, you know, whether it's a 36 Packard, you name it, man. Those early traditional rides are kind of where he's at, man. So those crazy cars, dude. Some of those cars you look at and you're like, damn, look at the curves, look at the turns, look at the just the entire architecture of those cars were fluid, they were excessive, they were gluttonous, and you know, they were just oozing with style. And then you had some that were real rudimentary, just square, this and that and the other, you know. But but man, they put together the way they they painted a picture is just badass. Have you ever been into old schoolies, man? You ever thought about getting one of them with the old school hot rods? Oh, without a doubt, man. I love them. I love them to death. Um, you know, my prime is always about performance. So that always kind of draws me sure. to certain vehicles from uh, I want to own, I want to build because I want to make them fast. You know, I want to be I want to be hanging them on corners, I want to take them on tracks, but Have you ever owned one? No, nah, man. Like a 32 Ford, 33 Ford probably is, you know, definitely like one of my tops, you know? Yeah. Oh god, a three yeah. window, the holy grail, bro. Oh. It's everybody's. I almost bought a uh, 31 Chevy. So you see a lot of 32 Fords, right? 32 Ford, Holy Grail, three-window coupe. Uh, everybody gets on their knees, like bow down. Uh, you know, it's one of those cars. But a 31 Chevy, you don't see a lot of those, mm -hmm. right? They still had a little bit of the wood frame. They had the old rumble seat. Man, uh, I, I, I was so close to buying that car. Um, literally had it for a week and was deciding back and forth if I, if I wanted it. Um, I did it on a couple of hot rods, uh, but yeah, man, I, I've never, I've always appreciated rat rods. I used to push a, uh, an old Studebaker chop top truck for a long time, a 49 Studebaker. I, I loved, I traded it for the Trans Am and something I'm going to do with an LS swap in, but 
Yeah, man, I love the old school hot rods for sure. They're phenomenal, man. And they have so much style, right? There's a certain visual aesthetic to them. They got, you know, something you can't recreate in a modern car, man. And so, you know, what I love about Troy's work is he's got the early core, but he's got a sense of design that's really up there. And so he's moving, he's shaping, he's adding features and and bits and pieces to it to make them, you know, not a restoration. They're completely unique one-offs. I mean, when they roll in, dude, you know that's a Troy-built car. Uh, it's completely set apart from anything of that, you know, category. Uh, and he's not afraid of new stuff, right? He just wants it to look like the old stuff. And I think that's awesome because, again, you know, being a performance guy, you know, I love styling from all generations, but... You know, stick me in a car with 48 horsepower in it, and I'm, I'm a little less excited. <laughs> but, you know, you know, take something like a Coyote and dress it up to look like, you know, some kind of, you know, flathead or, or other camera, you know, like, uh, and, and all of a sudden it's got some performance in it. And, you know, don't get me wrong, man, I, I love an old flathead, uh, but uh, he's, he's able to kind of mix and match things that are hidden underneath fuel injection, you name it right, with right. when you walk up and you look at it, you feel like you're back in 1936, you know? All right, man. So question for you, if you could take any car from the thirties, right. And you can't say a 32, you know, three window coupe. We'll just, we'll just go ahead and set those aside and say, that's the, one of the most sought after and Holy grail type cars you could ever get your hands on any car from the thirties. What do you have a design? You have something that, that hooks you, you have something, if you could take any car from the 30s and, and you know, like a genie in a bottle, wish you had it in your garage, what would it be? So I can't pick a 32? No, you can't pick a 32. How about a 33? <laughs> sure, you can pick a 33. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, man, there's there. each one has its own style, its own beauty to it, man. You could throw any of them in my garage and I'd be a pretty happy camper. How about you? Do you got one that you are just eyeballing? On the top of your uh, list, you know, you know, there's there's so many cars from the 30s and some of the off brands, the uh, you know, the 38 Bugatti, oh, you know, yeah. are, is something <laughs> crazy. The 35 Auburns are, are nuts, but you know, there's also you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. There's a 33 Chrysler Imperial that's kind of dope, um, and some crazy cars like that. I just like, I just like them big gangster mob cars, man. There's something cool about them, and, and I love when people hot rod them out, trick them out, add their personality to that build and to that car. It's just something badass to see. More so than any era of cars, I think that era of cars lends itself to personality in design. So a, a guy that does it great, Troy Ladd, he's going to join us right after the break. So it'll be a quick one. We're back on the Two Guys Garage podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up. We have Troy Ladd, Hollywood Hot Rods, on our podcast today. Troy, thanks for the time. Thanks for being on the podcast with us, man. And just hats off to what you do, man. Thank you so much. You guys, it's quite an intro you gave earlier, but I don't know. I got to live up to all your uh, all your expectations. That was pretty. That was a pretty cool <laughs> breakdown. We're going to hold you to it, man. So by the end of this thing, you're going to be a mile high. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> We give props for props to do, my friend. You know, I'm a big fan of the muscle car era, probably because I grew up in that time where, you know, muscle cars were running around in, in parking lots, and that's what we can get our hands on. 
you know, relatively cheap, um, you know, along with the, those mid-80s Camaros and those type offerings weren't quite doing it for us in the, in the performance world. So we leaned more on hot rods. What was it about these early 30s and 40s style cars that that really hooked you? What was Is it something about their style? Is that where you connect? Uh, is it the demographic that rides them? No, I just... I don't know really what how how that happened because I'm I'm not that old so I I wasn't around when any of this happened um, so I also was muscle car because my first car was a '66 Mustang so um, I I built that in high school and did uh, like went did street racing and things like that and um, I think just being involved with the the car world that was my introduction to the car world was that car and when I got that. The Mustang. I didn't even know it was a cool car. It was just a way to get to school and back. It was. And since I no, I'm just kidding. I give Ford Mustangs crap, man. I'm just playing. They're great. Oh, oh I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come on. <laughs> I'm a, a Mopar man. Mopar fan yeah, in the house here. Out. So I'm sorry. You'll have to. You, you, you have to make do. Wide open. <laughs> you have to forgive us. Forgive me. I'm a uh, Mopar guy. Okay. <laughs> but, no. It's so anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I was. It was given to me when I was 16 years old. I didn't really have a choice. Um, um, if somebody would have gave me a different car, I probably would be in a different <laughs> camp. But anyway, but hey, all all cars matter, dude. Right, so, right. Fact. That's right. That's right. Uh, no we don't doubt, discriminate man. here. No doubt. No. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I, I kind of grew. It was the car was given to me, and I didn't have any money. Kind of grew up poor. So when it broke down. What do you do? You have to learn how to, yeah. you have to learn how to fix this. That was my introduction. It was first out of necessity. And then in high school, uh, I just kind of got the, the bug where it's, it's cool to go fast. I mean, Amen, you know, bro. preach uh, it. So preach it, Troy. preach it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'd spend all week saving money, building the cargo, go street race on the weekends. And that was my whole introduction. So I think somehow in that, in, in that just exposure in Southern California. Um, then we ended up going to like little car shows or cruise nights, or they, there was burger, there was still a couple of places had like burger night cruise things like car hop places. There was a few left over from the old days, like nostalgia type things. They would have like cruise nights. So I think being a part of that, I just kind of saw the older hot rods. Yeah. I didn't really even know what they were quite honestly. It just, they just had a cool look, just a, a really raw visceral feel. I mean, a fenderless hot rod. Yeah. It's an engine and, and some seats, yep. you know? And I thought that was kind of, kind of cool. So that's just kind of how I got sucked in. And then at, um, when I was at 19, I saved my money and bought a 36, five window Ford coupe. So fat fendered car, not quite the little stripped down roadster that I'd seen, but I thought it had cool lines. It was, it, it was just a good looking car. So I built that. That was my second car that I had really built from the ground up besides the Mustang um, was a 36 five window coupe. And from there just kind of, I like just kind of stuck with that. Did the hot rod thing. I did a few other Mustangs. I read that hot rod story. The story you had in hot rod where you stumbled on, you bought like, what was it? Six or eight, you know, cars. From oh this yeah. lady. Bro. I'm telling you, man, that had to be one of the most unbelievable experiences ever. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that just happened recently, last couple of years. Yeah. But yeah, uh, well, so I guess it's been like three years. It's, I don't even know how to explain that. It's, I kind of forced gumped into that. 
You know, it's like, yeah, man, share the story with us because this is incredible, you guys. This never happens, but look, listen to what he stumbled on just randomly. It's so nuts. So, yeah, I'll try to do a quick story. So, um, Old Town Pasadena, um, a a customer of mine, um, the house next door, um, they were remodeling a house. It had been uh, vacant for like 20 years. So, um, a, a house flipper type guy bought it, investor bought the house. They, the garage was boarded up and they unboarded the garage, pulled the boards off the garage and there were two cars in there, a Model A and a 55 Ford. And, um, sorry, no Mopars, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's all right, man. So there was two Fords, there was two Fords in this garage. So this guy calls me up, who was an old customer said, Hey, they're remodeling the house next door. They just opened up the garage. It's been like boarded up for 20 years. There's these two cars in it. You should come down here. Maybe you're interested. I go down there like, Oh yeah. Like time capsule dust. There was like the, the, the Ford had like still a purse on the seat. There was cigarette butts like in the ashtray wow. unmoved. It was insane. So the guy says, yeah, the lady that we bought the house from, they're really, they're technically hers. Maybe you can buy them from her. She had them appraised. So um, you make an offer. I'm like, Oh, if they were appraised then it's going right. to be stupid. Yeah. And, and I said, well, do you know what they appraised at? He said, that one was seven hundred dollars, and that one was twelve hundred. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh like my god! Oh my god! <laughs> so, and I'm like, oh, well, I'll go big and offer, uh, oh, fifteen for the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it, the deal kind of went away, and then the guy kept calling me, and he's like, hey, you got to get these cars out of here because we got the city's on us. We got it. I got to remodel the house. I'm like, dude, connect me with the lady. I'll do it. I'll take them. Just make it happen. So he ended up calling me with her on the phone and I said, you know, I'll, I'll take those cars. She's like, fine. That, that sounds good to me. She's like, Oh, by the way, I have six other cars in storage. I need help with, would you be interested? I'm like, well, what are they? I'll listen to this, y'all. And listen she says, well, I don't know what they are, but one of them is a 32 Ford. Oh my God. And people seem to like that car. I'll give you 800 for that one. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, um, so once I, uh, she let me find out where she told me where it was stored and I went to see storage and this car was built in 1954 to 1958 and then put in storage in 1961 and never saw the light of day. So it's literally a time capsule car. That's exactly the way it was. And it was a show car of the time. So when I went, looked at, went and looked at it, it's like this um, metallic baby blue with white interior, white running boards. They did a bunch of white stuff. Oh, and it had a, a 371 Olds in it. Interesting. Interestingly Selection. enough, the, the, the Olds had uh, part numbers on it from 1959. So if they put it in storage in 61 and they put a 1959 engine in it, that's basically like putting a brand new crate motor like in a car of the yeah. time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Cause it was, so, uh, made her off, made her an offer to buy all of the cars just to help her take, get them, you know, get them <laughs> yeah, off, big off help, her man. hands and big help. You know, yeah. Long story short is I, I sold all the other cars, kept the 32 for myself and ended up with quite a bit of profit on top. So I got a free 32 oh and money <laughs> and money to restore like, it. That just never happened. That's like every dude's oh. dream, man. I, I wake up every morning going, man. Why did I not find a barn find yet? You got six barn finds. And some of the other cars were cool. Uh, I just sold a a 1950 Pontiac Chieftain was the last of the barn cars that I sold. 
There was the 55 Ford, a Model A, um, uh, Impala, 65 Impala, um, and then a couple of others that were just whatevers. Um, Sunburn, there was a 85 Sunburn. Oh, there you go. That's the hot ticket right Ooh. there. That's the next 32 <laughs> three window. That went for big bucks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's my, uh, my barn find story again. Like, it's just one of those things that's a once in a lifetime. And um, people, people ask, like you said, you, you, you said you must have been so excited. Quite honestly, I, I wasn't because right. the deal kept not happening. Like, there was, it was such a crazy thing that I just figured there's no way it could ever, it could ever come through. And when I finally sent her the money and then the car started to arrive, then I was excited. Well, it's hard in this day and age because you know, uh, knowledge is at your fingertips. And so you can find somebody that's got something sitting around. It has no real value to them. And they're thinking, yeah, a couple hundred bucks, whatever, a couple thousand bucks, take it away. Uh, and you're like, okay, man, I'm going to the bank. But by the time you get back from the bank, they Googled it and they're like, yeah, Oh, I'm going to throw an extra zero or two on it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a comma in the price tag now. Damn. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I, and I took a chance on that one too, because, um, the, the lady was, a, she's an older lady. Oh, the, and the story goes that, um, um, the reason the cars were abandoned and there was, um, uh, um, abandoned houses as well is that they were her brothers and her brother was a kind of a hoarder type person and didn't have any friends and nobody knew him and he passed away and she ended up being executor of the estate. So that's how all that came to be. Um, and one of that, the one last piece of the story before we can you know, move on to another uh, topic, but, uh, the, the neat thing about that is when I got that 32, I did the research and you saw it in Hot Rod Magazine. It was on the cover. And I wrote in those articles that I was the new caretaker. And it was, I call it the doer, the doer coop. Um, Cause that was the doer family. And the brother of the deceased brother contacted me and he said, Hey, I just read about that article. He's like, at first I was a little pissed because really those cars should be mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I read how you respected our family and that you're going to take care of the car, he's like, I believe that you're the right person to own the car. And I wholeheartedly, um, support your, wow. Oh your wow, person. man. That's cool. Badass. Yeah. And one more thing. Uh, when I finally got it running on the road, I, I did not drive it until I invited him to fly out here. So he flew out here from Arizona and I drove it for the first time with him watching. So nice. and he, he yeah. cried. He literally cried because he said, I haven't seen that car move under its own power since 1958. Like, wow. I know. It's cool. Oh, so, man, what a great, yeah. What a great end of that story. Dude. Yes. Very man. righteous so, of you to kind of make that connection and offer the guy to come out and, and check it out. And it's, it's the right thing to do because, like, I didn't build that car. I am the caretaker of that car. So, um, you know, that's how I kind of see it. And people have asked, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, leave it exactly as it is, I'm not gonna, I can, I can build another three window, but you can't recreate that. Right, right. So. You're the caretaker nice. of that car. So if you could be the caretaker of any car, we were kind of talking about this in the intro, what would it be? <laughs> what would it be? Would it be something in your build arsenal or would it be completely different? No, see, here's the problem, Kevin, and you should know this, that you can't compare cars. Like, like there's, you can't compare like a 32 Roadster with like, a 65 Mustang or some Mopar thing that your buddy likes. Um, 70 Dodge Charger. Woo! -hoo! <laughs> but, <laughs> Two classic. But you know what I'm saying? Woo! Like, <laughs> but 
If you're a true car guy, there's not there's not one answer to that question. That's you're the right. problem. Yeah, absolutely, so, man. Without a doubt. So I mean, I have all kinds of different cars. Like, well, I think I remember talking to you a little bit on Power Tour. Like, I we built that like prototype kind of race Mustang for Ford, which is a new car, which I don't really mess with new cars, but that car is fun for its own reasons. Like it's a different kind of car. Troy, I I, I had some sea time. I had some sea time today in a uh, a C a C eight Stingray. Man, I got to tell you, it is amazing. Like I, I I love muscle cars. I love building big blocks and throwing power adders to it and supercharging a turbo one or throwing a little nitrous to it and just you know all the old sense smells and and raw power that you get out of you know a 540 plus cubic inch big block but man i sit in this car and it is just amazing the technology and how that car feels from a dig from a roll and yeah it just it's, it's unreal man it's unreal where cars have have came to i i can i think i can one up you um last Last weekend, I spent some seat time in the very first all exposed carbon fiber Ford GT. They call it the liquid carbon Ford oh. GT. It's the only one in existence as of now. Though I think the next one rolls out in about two months, they told us. But so it, so I drove, um, yeah, liquid carbon number one. And Oof. just what you're saying, like the technology in a car like that is insane Unreal. like that's running the six cylinder ecotech at 600 i think it's 646 600 something like that horsepower which is interesting because that amount of horsepower in that car that can get it to the ground feels like a whole lot faster than an 800 horsepower like well yeah. i have a, my, my, my mustang is like 700 horsepower it's pales in comparison to the the technology to actually get that to the ground and to your butt, like your butt moving. Yes. It's, it's amazing. It is. It's unreal. It goes back to your comment. Like every model year from beginning till now has its own flavor, smell, you know, different attributes, you know, different aromas, you name it. Like, and, and they're all cool. And to nail yourself down as a car guy, I've always struggled. Uh, I've had so many favorites over the year, but it's a favorite until I see a yes. different car. And I'm like, well, that is awesome too. I want one of those. There's, For me, I could have a thousand cars. Uh, I could be Jay Leno. I could just have a garage full of everything imaginable. And just whatever <laughs> mood I'm sure. in, I take out a steamer. I take out like one of the first electric cars from 08 or whatever it is. You know, like I could get into a GT and shred it up. Yeah. Awesome. That's what I'm saying. You guys were talking about earlier about coming from like muscle cars or performance and the traditional hot rides and things like that. Well, I kind of have a mix of all that because my, again, like I kind of mentioned, I kind of came from more muscle car going fast. And even all the hot rods that I've owned, I've never owned a flathead powered car, a uh, hot rod. Why? Because there's not enough horsepower. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and by the way, um, I've done a, I have I've done a, a couple of 392 cars. So my Ford Roadster had a 392 Hemi in it. I have another nice. 392 that I'm building for a Model A. So I'm I'm really 392s kind of rule. So like, yeah, how can you drive a 32 with a Hemi in it and compare it to a 32 with a flathead in it? I'm going with a Hemi. You know. So, yeah, yeah, these are the struggles, but we make them work, you know? But yeah, I mean, but, but we build lots of flathead powered cars for other people here. And 
a, again, a flathead car has its own feeling. It has its own kind of style and sound. You can't beat a flathead car for the nostalgia value, but I don't know, for me, I've always gone with the more of the on the horsepower side of things. So, all right. Well, look, we're gonna get to that horsepower side of things in just a minute. It's a quick break uh, with Kevin Bird, Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Back with Troy Ladd from Hollywood Hot Rods in just a minute. All right, it's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Troy Ladd from Hollywood Hot Rods, whose phone is ringing right now off the <laughs> hook, man. He's taking calls. He's fielding customers right now. You know what he's doing? He's working. He's grinding because that's what hot rod builders do, you guys. Um, and Troy, glad to, hey, glad to take the time to uh, spend with us uh, this afternoon, man. You, you know, when you look at all these hot rods you own, hey, we talked a lot about how to compare cars and, you know, what sort of pushes your buttons and what gets you rolling. Is there a car that you wish you still own today? Because... I feel like every hot rodder has one. Like, I have one car that I wish I had never gotten rid of, right? And it burns me this day to even think about it. Is there one car that, in your mind, you wish to God you had back or you hadn't got rid of or whatever? Is there one that touched you, you know, and you miss nowadays? Yeah, you know, I mean, I wish I had the uh, ability to keep them all and never sell a car. I don't really turn that many cars, but... I think that my very first hot rod, uh, that 36.4 that we talked about earlier, that would be cool yeah. just to have because it was the very first hot rod that I've ever built and owned. And I built it when I was 19. And it would just, and plus 36s are, are, are just cool cars. So that would be pretty neat to find. Uh, you know, I've thought about actually trying to hunt it down. Um, I mean, I still remember the license plate. The license plate was bitchin' 36. <laughs> so that's, that's easy. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that would be pretty cool to have. I mean, you know, like, I want to be kind of like Jay Leno, too. Like Kevin, you mentioned you could be like Jay. Yeah, like, there's so many cool cars just to have. Like, it'd be, it'd be nice to have a garage that you could just pick one for the day. You know, uh, I feel like this. I feel like that. I mean, just, I don't know. It's It's so hard. What was the memory with that 36 that you just, you know, when people bring up that 36, what was, what's the first memory that flashes into your head? Like, man, that was a cool car. It was in Street Rider magazine. Um, they, it was, oh, wow. yeah, it was at uh, a show in, in Costa Mesa at the Orange County Fairgrounds called the, uh, the Great Labor Day Cruise. And I had the car there and it was not done. I never was entirely done, um, but it had just been painted and it was, it was a complete car. And they they shot it at that show and then put it in their magazine. I was 19 years old and I built the entire thing by myself, not knowing anything about Badass, hot dude. rods. I would just at the time there's no not internet, so um, I would just read books and magazines and you know yeah they tell you it's in street rider. You just open up the the pages of the magazine you're like holy man, there's my car. I just <laughs> opened it up and it was there. I did not know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. Wow. That's a big moment, dude. No, no. I my At pants. 19? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So that was that was pretty huge. So that would be, I would like that car back, you know? And and that was yeah. really kind of what pushed me into wanting to build cars more and more, too. Because I remember at the time that uh, people at that show, at a different shows, they would ask me, so um, where's your dad? I want to ask him about his car. I'm like, no, no, that's my car. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we want to talk to who built it. I'm like, no, I built it. No, no, like who actually did the work? Like, 
I did. I actually painted it in my garage. <laughs> and that annoyed me, but inspired me enough to be like, oh, F you guys. I'll, I'll build whatever I want and I can do it better than you. You know, that, you know it, it was kind of an inspiring, in an, a negatively inspiring situation that happened to me often, often back then. So I don't know. I always thought that was kind of an interesting reason why it, I, um, you know, I really got into building cars, stuff like that. Some of those cars from that era, right? You look at some of those cars, man. I love the fenders. I love how some of them became like tail draggers, you know, and, they, and guys would swoop them out. What was it about that car in particular that, that just sticks in your head? Or is it the overall, you know, the fact that it was your first build, the satisfaction you got from taking it to shows and people seeing it and just that. People couldn't believe a 19-year-old at the time would build that platform. Yeah, at the time... Again, I didn't really know much about what was cool and not cool. I just liked the lines. I liked the way it looked, and it had the big swooping. It was a fat fendered car, big sweeping fenders. And um, but I built it as a hot rod, not as a custom, because uh, you you know that era you could you can do the tail drag and skirt right. thing too. But I built it the other yeah. way, and um, it was affordable. I mean, I, it cost nineteen hundred bucks if I recall. Yeah, I spent. Yeah, it was. I think it was nineteen hundred bucks for that thing. Yeah, twenty five hundred bucks. My first car. Twenty five. Yeah. I did it cutting lawns, man. Cutting grass. Well, just to shift gears a little bit, you know, some of the conversations we've had, I've always enjoyed because um, it's a struggle for a lot of guys getting into this, right? So we talked a little bit about you know how you got into cars and what style you got into cars, uh, but some of your background. I mean, you went and got uh, a business degree at Vanguard, right? So you've yeah. got a business approach, and there's a lot of talented guys out there that can paint they can do metal work they've got an eye for design whatever uh but you know in the conversations i've had with you really fascinating on you know you went into your business thinking about a business model not just right. i'm just gonna go do this and i'll make it work and however it pans out that's how it pans out but you kind of went out with the business model so maybe for some of the guys out there that you know they, they got talents or they're thinking about getting some talent somewhere you know along sure. the way um, you know, what skill sets did you bring to the table besides kind of the business eye or the business background, you know, so they can relate to that, you know, and then how do you, how would you advise people to think about creating a career, right? Cause you are way up there. I would advise people not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the typical answer, right? You are right. huffing and puffing and grinding and making yeah. dust and, and, uh, you know, depending on how you can make it all work. You know, the outcome might just be you're satisfied with what you're doing versus making a ton of jack. Right? I don't know. Hey, Kevin, I think you had a, I think you had a, uh, some sort of competition. Maybe it was for a girl. Maybe it was for the <laughs> fastest car in town title. Maybe it was something like that. But he had some guy that was always, you know, in the crosshairs, right? Like, you know, I know guys that have battled their entire lives, and because of that competition, has made them better. I'm an identical twin because of that competition me and my brother had since we came out of the shoot. I'm probably a more competitive and better person for it. I bet somewhere along the line he had one guy that he was always going against, racing against, or, you know, uh, you know, sort of posting up against. In the, in the early, early days, like in high school when I was doing the street racing thing, there was a guy with a Falcon. He was, we called him Mr. Falcon. He was the yeah. guy I was always trying to beat. He was like yeah. the top of the... Yeah, if you're street racing, there's yeah. always a guy. Yeah. yeah, but when you're starting your, your business building yeah. earlies, right? I mean, is your guy like, uh, you know, a fellow builder or... Is it just something you love and you're figuring out what model can make me do that? You know? Yeah, let's go. Let's go to your thing. So, um, so Kevin, I, I've kind of always talked about a lot of times that I did it. I explained to people I did it backwards. And the reason I say that is because what kind of like how 
most people would do this. They have a skill set, hand skills. They think they're good at it. This is this this is with cars or carpentry or lots of different like um, uh, hand skills. You get better and better. You work for somebody. You realize I don't want to work for somebody more. I'm going to start my own business. You take your skill set and turn it into a business, and then you move you move forward as your own boss. That's typically how that's done. What I did, I say I did it backwards because. I had, yeah, you know, I finished my degree in business. I was a project manager for a development company. So I had a day job doing with a, a real paycheck and real, like, a, you know, real career path, but for somebody else, like more of a corporate type career path. And then the cars, I had a little shop that was my hobby shop. And I spent every waking hour and weekends doing the car thing for my own satisfaction, building cars and things like that. So um, as I realized going through the corporate world that it's just not very satisfying and that I was more focused on the cars. I mean, literally five o'clock hits, I'm the first one out the door and everyone else is going, the managers are going for cocktails and talking about business. Like, I don't care about that. I'm off. I'm going to do cars. So, um, it was actually my, my, um, fiance who brought up the idea. She's like, Hey, you're obsessed with this car thing. Like i carried a briefcase to work that had car stuff in it. So at lunch, I had car magazines. I would be buying car parts where, you know, everyone else is doing like work stuff. So um, she's like, you, you ought to think about doing this car thing as a, as a career. I'm like, but uh, I'm also, that's my hobby. That's my passion. I don't want to ruin it by making it a job. And she's basically said, well, um, you know, she was going to law school and I was doing um, my deal. She said, what's the worst thing that can happen? You can just go back to your real job if you don't try you'll never know so i'm like okay then i'm gonna try so what i did is here's the backward approach is i had a day job had a paycheck and i created the uh business plan for hot rod shop i created the name i created the logos um i incorporated so i basically made an entire company on paper that didn't physically exist yet and it was hollywood hot rods and um, once I did all of that, I did analysis of the of the job of like the the, the, um, the demographic, like where's a good place for a shop to be, who has money, who where are cars, where are car interests, and I did all of the things like that from a business standpoint before actually laying hands on tools. So once that happened, um, I came to the point where I think I'm going to do this. I literally quit my day job, rented a place, used all of that research that I've done, you know. Hollywood Hot Rides as a business entity and started the company and then worked, started working my ass off. And I literally, I slept at the shop, um, eight, nine, nine cent cheeseburgers to survive. Um, it was, it was rough. I think that's just how smart people do it. You know, I got some friends that done they, they had another <laughs> job, right. Until they can get their career and their clientele built and, you know, just sort of the business model on what demographic they were going to serve. Um, and it really be able to, to dive in uh, and have a supporting cast, be it um, a business plan, a shop, a, you know, a team, uh, and, and go for it. You've been fortunate because you, you produce such great cars and so many unique different rides and platforms uh, that it's just taken off. And it's in itself a, a very unique niche and, and really cool. You're, you're keeping these old cars alive because not a lot of people do that anymore. Um, you know, modern muscle is taking over a lot of the industry. It's really cool that 
that you could take some of this old iron and like you said, whether it's the aesthetics, the the looks, the feel, the smell, uh, the way the engines sound or ride, um, there's something unique about these era cars that that needs to live on even today. Yeah, and you know, and each design of that car is different. Like sometimes we use modern drivetrains, sometimes we use vintage drivetrains. Yeah. Like there's there are really no rules which is exciting what's the craziest one you built so far have you ever done it like a hellcat platform in a in a, in a 30s Mopar. you know here we go back I to know, Mopar. I know. come on I know. <laughs> or a you know coyote setup no, but no solid question, solid question. <laughs> um uh look up um google mohan speedster um yeah oh yeah that yeah. would be what's in that one i've seen it it's uh, well, that's a 12-cylinder Lincoln flathead that we developed, or we use a vintage um, a radial-style supercharger with um, converted side draft, like W Winfield W carburetor. So all of these parts are super rare and interesting, unique parts that we mix together to build our own version of the, the engine. So the engine is quite unique because it's, it never existed, um, but it's got really rare things on it that we put together. <laughs> The car itself never existed. You gotta love, you gotta love it when you can build a car, uh, an engine that never existed. Yeah, I mean, at least in that manner. Well, the car itself never existed. We it came from drawings. So um, wow. we worked with designer Eric Black and designed this '30s era car, but basically built it from scratch. So it's coach built. So we call it modern coach building because it's it's that that car does not exist, um, but it exists now after we built it. And there's really fun. I love the engineering challenges of um, that that a lot of people you know wouldn't take on. Like for example, that car has an automated um, hidden hideaway roof, so it's a hard top that folds back into the trunk, and it's all automatic. And we designed all of the hydraulics and engineering and computers to make that oh, happen, wow. and hide it in a package that looks 1936. So you can't give it away. Um, that car also has adjustable suspension that we can move up and down on uh, an app from our from the cell phone, but it's not hydraulic and it's not um, airbags. It's it literally moves the quarter elliptical springs in a manner that raises and lifts the car with gears that are hidden in the car. So again, you it doesn't give away that it exists, but it but it does. But it has the function of dropping it down at a car show, lifting it up to drive away, you know, stuff like that. So that's by far the craziest car. Yeah, that's, that's, awesome, an inc man. that's an incredible build. Yeah. I mean, so tell people where they can go to find your rides. What's the easiest spot? Is it your website? Hollywoodhotrods.com. Yep. And then Instagram, Hollywood Hot Rods on Instagram. I do, um, you know, more updated stuff there. I mean, I keep it fairly current. I post a few times a week, a week or so. But so, so yeah, those would be the two best places. Well, it's pretty funny because if you look on your on your website of, you know, completed builds, uh, you know, there's a whole smattering of builds and they're all pr pretty much in the thirties and maybe forties. There's a couple, maybe, uh, early sixties, right? And then there's one, yeah. you know, whatever that yeah. is, 20, yeah. 14 Mustang or whatever sitting in there. Hey, wait till he gets that sunbird. That, right. Wait till he gets that sunbird, bro. Just wait. <laughs> well, I would, I would argue that we can use the, the, the design concepts that we do on the older cars and the skill set that's required to build them and integrate them to, to, into different cars. So like that particular car has been a complete redesign 
where the roof is handmade out of aluminum and it's um, removable on that Mustang. And the whole back end of the car has been cut off and remade um, out of out of steel. Yeah, you weren't scared. You weren't scared on that one. No. I'm gonna take an icon and I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want. They got, you know? they got, they got pissed off. There's, um, oh, the, who's the designer's name? Gosh, uh, Melvin. I don't know if you, do you, do you know, you might know Melvin. He was a designer for Ford. Um, no, I don't know that guy yeah, uh, particularly. Oh, but uh, when we did that, he had to fly out because apparently you weren't supposed to change the car that much. You weren't supposed to redesign <laughs> their car and put it in their booth. So. I had to fight that fight because they, they tried to shut that down. Um, but once he came out, we showed him other stuff that we were doing. Um, he was he thought it was pretty cool because his comment, Kevin, which I always thought was cool, is he said, you guys are doing stuff in metal that we do in clay. I always thought that was a super <laughs> cool. Yeah. It's a damn yeah. good compliment. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you understood the compliment you just gave yeah. me, right on. Thank you very much, so. man. Uh, all right. Well, one more time. Where do people find you socially? How do people see more of what you do, Troy? HollywoodHotRods.com is the website. And then on Instagram, HollywoodHotRods. I think it's Hollywood underscore hot underscore rods. But you can just search Hollywood Hot Rods or Troy Ladd and I would, I'll come up. There you go, man. Hey, dive in, you guys. It is unbelievable. Some of the cool stuff that he is building. And make sure you check out our show, Aaron Weekends on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings episodes. Also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Thanks to our guest, Troy Ladd. Uh, my man, Kevin Bird. I will be our producer, Scoop, and executive producer, Bob Ecker. Don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and share your thoughts with us. We're on social. We're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020 Print and Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. Hey, Troy, one final Jeez. question before I let you go, cuz I had a chance and opportunity to buy a 1931 Chevrolet for $15,000. It ran, right? Original flathead. I think put it down the street. It was hell on wheels to drive. Rumble seat. Um, just under the rumble seat had a little bit of rust, but that was the only rust in the car. It was blue, still had the canvas top. Fifteen grand. I missed out on that one, huh? And this is just like a, a year or two ago. Uh, yeah, you could find that again, probably because I bought a '34 Chevy three window coupe um, for eighteen grand, and that okay. was a pretty good deal. So I think that the the older version probably worth a little less. But yeah, that's probably in the in the range. But yeah, I heard you you talking earlier. Yeah, Chevys are cool. Like I've I've had a couple of um, '34 Chevys. So I mean. Like I still, I still believe that if it looks good and you like it, it's worth it. You know, it doesn't matter Ford, Chevy, Mopar, whatever. I feel like my wife. I feel like my wife holds that same thing, that same theory, <laughs> just because who she married. You know? <laughs> well, I think what's cool too is there's so many builders, as you know, that take cars that uh, at face value are kind of like eh cars, but once you start moving some yeah. lines around, changes in proportions, you can make something completely unique and badass out of it so it's kind of cool that you know us layman people that uh you know take what came off the line and we pick and choose you get somebody with a good eye for design they can pick everything in between and make something awesome out of it yeah i would argue you could build better things in that manner because you're going to do something that's hasn't been done before and have a little bit more creative edge to it so i've, yeah. I've always been a proponent of that like go do go the Take the you know the, the um, road less traveled, right? Go. Yeah, the David the rope. Yeah, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. 
All right, Troy, thanks so much for your time, you guys. HollywoodHotRods.com. Check him out. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Ride podcast. We'll see you. I'll see you guys. Two Guys Ride podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.